0: Today's program, I want to talk about the central issue, the central focus in the great spiritual battle that you and I are in right now. We are in right now the last days. Exactly, precisely which second of the last days are we in? I have no idea. I have no idea, and nor should I presume to have an idea. Because Jesus specifically said that no man knows the day or the hour except for the Father. So if I'm running around telling everybody with phony precision and a phony timetable when Jesus Christ is returning, and people are building and planning their lives uh, on my erroneous and falsified time schedule, then I've messed up pretty bad uh, in the eyes of God and Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. If I am truly to be a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, I need to practice shutting my mouth so that God can use me. You know, perpetually talking, especially if you're talking and you're going beyond the zone that God has equipped you to go, or you're going beyond the zone that God has uh, commanded you to go, the zone that you're in is no man's land. Essentially, you are outside of the will of God. And so we have a lot of Christians in America and around the world who are telling people, a lot of nonsense. They are telling people that they know when the second coming is going to happen, when the rapture is going to happen, and when all these heavy duty prophetic events are going to happen, such as the distribution of the mark of the beast, such as um the time period where um the Antichrist offers to people. The mark and and they cannot participate in the global <clears throat> excuse me, the global economic system unless they first receive this DNA chip, this nanochip implant, known as the mark of the beast. So we have we have a lot of people in the USA and around the world who I don't know what that means. If you like, I can't search the web for. So we have, we have a lot of people in the USA and around. You know, I, I'm, I'm leaving that for you to hear. I know it's a slight diversion. I, I apologize. But I'm in, the stu- <laughs> I'm in the studio where I do the Paul McGuire report. I have never activated or turned on uh, this uh, built-in microphone which when it senses my voice or senses that I'm in a conversation or senses that when I'm discussing something with somebody, that, it, that its default mode is it records it, and then it will either send me commercials, uh, video commercials, audio commercials. I don't know what the heck that was. I wasn't going to listen to it. People get frustrated with me, and I apologize but I'm a writer and I'm a minister. And in order for a writer or minister to be any good at all, you have to spend time researching what you're going to write on, researching what you're going to speak on. And then most importantly, you have to seek the face of the Lord in prayer and wait on the Lord. I mean, people do not need Another successive session of blah 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 blahs. People are starving right now for input, for guidance, for a word from the Lord, and you can't get that um, from whatever this uh, artificial intelligence entity is. Maybe some of you know who she is. I don't know who she is. I don't care who to know who she is. So, so tragically, I don't listen. To my uh, uh, messages, the Robo callers, I just cut it all out i couldn't i couldn't hear myself think literally i couldn't hear myself think if I allowed myself to be interrupted by this incessant stupidity, this Orwellian propaganda, and once it you know how this works, once it senses your voice and it knows who you are um uh, <clears throat> It will track you, it will record your entire conversation, it will totally invade your privacy, and then it will hustle you, it will try to sell you something or whatever. I'm not interested in any of that, and unfortunately, I miss a lot of good calls from people that I'd like to hear from, but I am not going to be held hostage to the mercy of a of a robo-calling algorithm, algorithm, artificially unintelligent machine. So I vented, I got that out of my system. So the critical thing here is that uh, we need to have the space, the silence, the privacy to be with our own thoughts, ideas, to, to actually hear from the Lord. In order to hear from the Lord, in order to wait on God, in order to stop the unending barrage of incessant nonsense, trivia, and stupidity, and that's what it is, and I'm being kind, that's constantly bombarding us. We have to shut it off and and tune in to the Lord. And I've been trying to do that more and more lately. I've tried to, uh, because I'm a news junkie, or I used to be a news junkie. And so I began to turn off the incessant propaganda Orwellian news. Why? Because, you know what, after being uh, uh, a guest on the biggest news networks in existence for for over 10 years, after having my own radio show syndicated for, like, you know, over 10 years, and many other things, um, I, I just got tired of listening to propaganda, to, to nothingness. You see, if I view these programs, or I listen to these programs, do I get anything uh, that contributes to my life? Do I get any knowledge that informs me? Uh, and equips me for life, do I get um, um, more wisdom or knowledge or intelligence? Do I get some kind of semblance of a plan that will help me and equip me in life? And the answer is, 100% of the time, no. What I do get is I get caught up in this monkey circus where, where, you know, We have a whole new generation of conservative radio talk shows, a whole new generation of conservative uh, television talk shows. And now, and I'm not knocking any of them. I'm not knocking anybody who who wants to be entrepreneurial and launch something. I'm not knocking you. Go for it. But now I have to listen to all these people that just joined the bandwagon relatively recently. And, you know, they have a lot of emotion and enthusiasm, and I'm glad for that. But they don't have anything of substance to say because they haven't been around long enough to learn, to gain knowledge, to experience. Therefore, it's just a simple matter of fact. They cannot impart to their audience real wisdom. And then I noticed something else because this thing that I noticed, I noticed that very, very subtly, like on a microscopic level, uh, that the the media input that I was receiving into my subconscious, etc., that it, and, and I'm not trying to overreact here, but this is this is how I was experiencing it. Experiencing it. I like to analyze things. Okay. Maybe I sound more uh, overly analytical than I am. I probably do. I am analytical, but I'm not, like, psychotic about it. But I listen and I analyze some of the presentations um, on podcasting and the Internet. And and why it's interesting to me is that a lot of these people, and, uh, you know, May God bless them. A lot of these people are just starting out. That's fine. Everybody has to start out. But they haven't gained the wisdom, the knowledge, the perspective. And I'm too busy to hear a regurgitation of what Fox News said or or Joe Rogan said or, or all the other conservative talk show hosts. I'm too busy to hear uh, a regurgitated version of what these people have already said, because it's not new to me. I've been doing this for decades, and it's not that I'm better than any of these people. I'm not. You know, success is an illusion at best. And when you're, you're privileged, to you communicate to large numbers of people on many different Platforms, you end up speaking to a lot of people, that's fine. But it's only really fine to the degree that you have something of value, I mean, real value to share with your audience, so that what you say to your audience uh, can really empower their lives, give them wisdom, help them avoid catastrophe, teach them, uh, you know to prevent imminent disaster, and so on and so forth. Okay, so let's get back in this uh, beginning part of, of, of the loop here. So I realized that the vast majority of the voices I was listening to did not speak to me in any way, shape, or form that imparted real wisdom or real knowledge uh, or real perspective that really could help my life, that really could contribute to my life and give me a plan for victory, for example, and other things. And the reason that uh, the people hosting these programs couldn't give me a real plan Something real to take away so I could impart it to my audience is because in their equation about how they were going to build themselves a podcasting empire or whatever, in that equation, they forgot an all important ingredient, which was this. Most of what you hear in mainstream media and in you know, most of what you hear out there is really a product of what I call, and maybe you call it too, it's really a product of what I call the echo chamber effect. They're not telling you something really original or something new. They're simply repeating and regurgitating what they have heard from other talk show hosts or podcasters or, or whatever, and how do I know? Well, in many cases, <clears throat> and, and actually, you know, I consider it a compliment. In many cases, I will hear people <clears throat> repeat word for word stuff that I've said on my own program uh, relatively recently, like within the last uh, thirty days to sixty days. I will hear. An aspiring podcaster or talk show host or whatever, basically repeat word for word information that, that I've been given out, giving out on my program. And you say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that you get it from Fox or whoever? <clears throat> because anybody who is a professional boxer, a professional golfer, an, an entrepreneur, businessman, or woman, Anyone uh, who is an author or a writer or a talk show host or a TV show host or whatever, anyone who occupies any of those roles in society knows when people are basically stealing, and they're, they're not malicious, but they're basically stealing your monologues, stealing your dialogues, and the giveaway is this is the giveaway the giveaway is that they are stealing your signature now by and that's a very important concept and by that, I mean that when they repeat to you what you already said to them, uh they are repeating it by regurgitating what they heard you say to them but By having our own signature, what I mean by that is every author, every writer, every communicator, and in all kinds of fields and disciplines, you, and you probably experience this in your life in many cases, what you experience is the fact that they are repeating back to you your analysis, your historical. Uh, analysis, your understanding, and essentially, they forgot to take your signature off of it. You see when people who are real individuals communicate, they communicate in such a way that they they just kind of like subconsciously leave their signature on what they said. That means their unique style. Their unique flavor, their unique um, way of, of communicating, all of that is, is what's called your signature. Now, this may surprise you, but I talk to people on the phone all the time, and I used to think I was crazy. Or if I wasn't crazy, I used to think I was like an egomaniac. Until I had a number of people in my life who knew me well, who confirmed to me that I wasn't crazy, but that people were actually coming to me and repeating to me, word for word, um, content that contained my unique signature, my unique way of communicating. That happens in my books all the time. And so, like my wife has been last minute helping me edit "Power from On High," and and she has helped me in terms of editing a number of times. And she can just look at the paragraphs, and she can recognize from the style, the manner of communication, the choice of words. She can recognize that um, whether or not the the written content.
1: Um, has been taken
0: from me and used by somebody else. But that, that somebody else is not giving me the credit for whatever they wrote. They are writing it as if they wrote it, they created it. And the problem with that is they don't realize that regular readers of Paul McGuire's books Regular uh, writers, uh, regular uh, people who, who listen to Paul McGuire talk on the radio, etc, what they don't realize is Paul McGuire inherently leaves his signature on the content that he puts out because I have a unique way of communicating unique idiosyncrasies, unique, if not sometimes odd humor etc cetera, etc cetera. and so when people imitate that and they forget to remove my signature it's obvious to a lot of people they don't know it's obvious but it's obvious to a lot of people that these people are simply repeating my signature which annoys me because i spend a lot of time it's like a poet or a sculptor or whatever I've spent a lot of time, a lot of years, decades. I've invested a tremendous amount of time in research and reading and studying, and most of all, in developing my unique uh, content and my unique signature. So when I hear people talk, and I've been taking kind of a hiatus lately, where I, I... have deliberately chosen not to do hardly any uh, radio interviews whatsoever besides my own I've chosen not to do uh, basically any television program to, with the exception of my own and I basically have unplugged myself from the the media machine, and so when I hear people doing a monologue or speaking or an analysis. And what's really weird is, is a lot of times these people are people that live across the country or these are people that I would never have thought listen to me. I just didn't think our orbits connected or whatever. But, but they do listen to me. And when they replicate what I say, they're leaving my signature in there. They forget to take my signature out of their monologue and their analysis or whatever. Okay, where am I going with this? Where I'm going with this is a very simple principle. I was speaking to this uh, friend of ours who lives on the East Coast a few minutes before I walked into the studio. and. She's very gifted as a uh, Bible teacher, and she has her own particular style. And basically what I said to her was I strongly encouraged her to, to continue to plant seeds and continue to teach and to continue to step out and see what the Lord will do, see what, what doors the Lord will open. Because I, what I said to her was this I said, I hear a lot of male Bible teachers and I hear a lot of female Bible teachers, I said. And then I said, and I wasn't trying to be arrogant, but what I said to her was, I can't listen to most of them. They put me to sleep. And what I meant by that is that the people who I'm listening to have not bothered to pay the price. They have not bothered to gain the knowledge, the information, and the contents that makes a person worth listening to. And my compliments were sincere. And I said, the reason I like listening to you is I learn something. I get edified. You, You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you. And then we got into a side conversation because she, because this person on the East Coast said to me, well, um, you know, I'm concerned because, because I feel like that if I don't take extensive notes and have an extensive outline, and if I don't really do a lot of work in terms of pre-preparation, that I'll just be hemming and hawing and you know, you know the things that people say and do, uh, vocal mannerisms that people use to stall for time <clears throat> so they can gather their thoughts, like, like saying, uh, or, you know, other, other <clears throat> verbal impositions that you use, which are really a technique for stalling and allowing you to, to get time to develop your thoughts and ideas. And this person said, if, if I spent enough time preparing, then I wouldn't have that problem. <clears throat> and then I said to her, you know, your style of teaching and preaching <clears throat> is totally the opposite of, of my style of preaching and teaching. I said, um, if I take notes, and I said, I research all the time. I mean, I'm researching 24-7. All the time. So I'm constantly receiving a download of information and content to use. And and then I said to her, um, I never, and it wasn't boasting, it was just an examination of the difference of her style versus my style. I said, I never uh, have to say, you know, oh, or some kind of pausing statement like, Hmm. Or, you know, all these verbal tricks that people use that that gives them enough time to get their thoughts together so they can speak. I I never have that problem. It's not because I'm better than anybody. It's just a gift that God has given me. I always have an endless download uh, that's bursting with information. And I never have to to resort to <clears throat> these techniques that people use. Doesn't mean I'm better. It just means that's a gift that God has given. So then I said to her, you, you don't have that gift. I said, but, but in order for you to be everything that God created you to be, <clears throat> you have to... Um, Be super prepared, take notes, uh, develop your thoughts, and write it down. Because from what you told me, you are at your best when you write everything down, when you do a tremendous amount of pre-preparation. And after you do all that, you told me, then you don't have to resort to these pauses and stuff in order for you to gather your information. And then the other thing I said to her is, I said years ago, when I finally became free in my teaching, my authoring and 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 speaking, and many other things i I had an epiphany, a revelation from the Lord, where i it dawned upon me from the Lord that the gift he gave me." Was the gift of speaking in a in a in a flow without interruption, in a, in a seamless flow in a seamless download, and it's not because I'm better; it's because that's the gift that God's given me. Now, then I said to her, "There are many people that may hear me, and I'm not their cup of tea. They're not they they're not going to want to listen to me." They're going to want to listen to somebody like you because there's a lot of people in in a population group. There's a lot of people that what they crave is an individual who's very linear in their presentation, an individual who who has developed very intensively their thoughts, their sentences, their structure, uh, their linguistic delivery and that they've intensively worked at it and worked at it and worked at it. So when they get up to speak, it comes off as flawless and smooth because to the degree that they've developed it, which is fine. So then I said to her, when I really began to become free and I really began to enjoy speaking, was the day I stopped trying to adopt my speaking style to somebody else, the day I stopped trying to have all these notes down and these copious uh, uh, outlines and uh, uh, sources of reference and stuff, the minute I I stopped trying to, out of guilt, I was doing it out of guilt. The minute I stopped trying to speak out of guilt in that manner, which was against the grain of my personality. I said I was set free. I began to enjoy speaking. The anointing flowed. It was linguistically, logically, rationally. It was all fluent. And God moved and people got saved and there was fruit in the ministry, et cetera, et cetera. And so I said, the key lesson here is that you have to be who you really are. You have to be the person that God created you to be. You have to be the person that God made you. God didn't make you to be like me, and God didn't make me to be like you. All of us, including every one of you listening, probably a lot of you are caught in the bondage and suffering and anxiety of trying to overly model yourself after someone else's uh, method or style or signature. And you're not enjoying it because you're trying to be something that God didn't create you to be. Now, there there are some exceptions to that. There are some people who desperately need structure and outline notes And because they won't receive any feedback, they deprive themselves the opportunity of growth. So I encouraged her by saying, "Your ministry will will be released. You will be everything that God created you to be the moment you stop trying to model yourself after somebody else and just be yourself." And so that's what's happened to me, because when I was exploring and trying to figure myself out, which we all do, I realized that all my life, people were pounding it into my head that I that Paul McGuire needs to take more notes. Paul McGuire needs to have more documentation. Paul McGuire needs to do this. Paul McGuire needs to do that. And it ends up to be a long list. Now, what I told this girl was this. I don't use or incorporate any of that anymore. I just don't do it. I'm, I'm free of it. What I do is I, I simply speak or teach the Bible or write or whatever in, in the way that God has gifted me, in the way that God has instructed me to present it. Now, and I said to her this, I said, that bothers a lot of people. I said, that, that is not everybody's cup of tea. And a lot of people don't like that style of presentation. They want the more linear, factual, uh, note-taking type of style. And I said, that's fine, because God has created each one of us to be different. God has created each one of us to speak or do a delivery or be an entrepreneur, or whatever business, whatever ministry we're involved in, we are not all supposed to be doing it in a way that's an exact model and replica of somebody else. We're supposed to be doing it in such a way that we leave our individual signature upon it. Now, this is where it gets exciting. So Most of my life, I was hammered in schools, uh, in in all kinds of environments. I was hammered. I was attacked. I was made fun of. I was belittled because, and it wasn't, you know, you get some whacked out Christian who mixes legalism with, uh,
1: uh, you know, uh, writing ability. Legalism and writing ability are
0: two different things. So when I began to speak in the way that God created me to speak, the anointing came. There was a flow. There was an energy and a force. And this is what I told her. I said, "If I, when I'm speaking, I said, if I know what I'm going to talk about in advance, in detail, in the next uh, number of minutes or whatever, I, say, I said to her, what happens to me as an individual is I become highly bored about what I am about to say. I become highly bored about what I'm about to say because it is of little or no interest to me to make a presentation, to teach the Bible, to write a book, to, to, to teach on anything the, the presentation that, that I'm making, or I'm going to make, is not exciting to me. It's not passionate to me, I said to her. And that's because there's no sense of adventure. There's no sense of self-discovery in it. If I know, word for word, what I'm going to say, then how could I possibly be interested in it? I'm bored with it. I'm bored with it because I already know what's coming. It's like watching a movie for the 10th time. You're you're bored with it because you've seen it so many times. You know what's going to happen. There's nothing exciting. There's no adventure. There's no place for God to show up. I'm bored with it. So I learned to throw all that away. I learned. See, this is freedom, man. Because if, if you've really been paying attention to what I'm uh, talking to you about now, this goes far, far, far beyond the scope of merely speaking or Bible teaching or or giving a message or or any number of things. What we're really talking about now is something that transcends merely communicating, teaching, giving a Bible study, or whatever. What we're talking about is your signature. If you want to go to a bank, if you want to go somewhere and get money, and they have your signature on record, what they're going to require of you is that you show a driver's license or whatever that gives uh, an exact replica of your signature. And they can tell by the exact replica of your signature that, yes, indeed, it was you who signed this driver's license or whatever. So one of the the things that I put in in this new book, uh, Power from on High, Power from on High contains a lot of stuff, man. It centers around the dunamis, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, the dynamite explosive power of the Holy Spirit. But then, the detonation of the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit has a ripple effect, and it blows out the strongholds, uh, the the boring methodologies, et cetera. So what what I learned was. When I speak from my heart, and I speak, uh, let's call it in a flow of consciousness, that's not where everybody's at their best. A lot of people crash and burn. They can't do that. Again, this isn't bragging, but when I speak from my heart, when I speak uh, in in a stream of consciousness, when I don't overly See, I don't have to rely on my notes because I've been preparing for years, okay? I I prepare all the time, so I don't have to use my notes. I simply speak, and it flows, and I'm excited about it because I'm discovering it along with you, the audience, and that turns me on, and that turn-on translates into you or me, if this is the mode of speaking we use, it translates into you and me being energized, being exhilarated, being, uh, the word charisma means energy, vitality. It's the dunamis, the dynamite power of God. It explodes, it comes to life, and it births and brings life in a dynamic way. To me, I don't know about you, but to me, that is the ultimate turn-on. And when you're experiencing the ultimate turn-on, you're excited. It's like surfing. You're not speaking. You're surfing. Okay. So then I said to her, that's not your style. Your style is to use notes. And the more notes you take, the more outlines, the more prepared you are on paper. That frees you up to use your gifting. One technique is not right, and one technique is not wrong. God created us all as different individuals. As such, we all use different techniques. And then I said to her, for me, if I have prepared too much or taken too many notes or or documented, too much or written down stuff too much. I said, what inevitably happens to me is that I'm bored before I begin with my contents, And it shows up on my face. How can I be excited, dynamic, turned on about my subject matter if if I know uh, 100% about what I'm going to say and where I'm going to go, et cetera, et cetera. And not only that, at least the way I work, If I do it in that manner, there is no room for God and the Holy Spirit to show up. And I very much want there to be room when I'm speaking or writing or whatever for God, the Holy Spirit to show up in a fresh, authentic, and dynamic way. That's a turn-on. Okay. So where this brings us is that God... I learned over years that God works in each one of our lives in a unique and individual way. And we should respect ourselves, we should respect others instead of taking out a sledgehammer and bashing somebody's brains in because they don't conform to your expectation or they don't conform to your methodology. They're not supposed to conform to your methodology. They're supposed to be who they are in Jesus Christ. So when I speak or minister or whatever, I do it as a unique individual. And so what happens when you do it that way, for me anyway, what happens is there's an ongoing metamorphosis, an ongoing transformation. So, that when I speak, when I deliver the message or whatever, it comes alive, it ignites, it has energy, it has the rivers of of the living water, and it's dynamic. And more than that, it's dynamic, but it allows room for the dunamis, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, to explode, not with irrational emotionalism. But to explode uh, with the life and the power and the creativity of the Holy Spirit. And that's an awesome, awesome thing. Talk about bungee jumping. This is
1: beyond anything like that. Okay, so
0: what I do now is I get out of the way and I have gotten over the self imprisonment. The self bondage of, of having to live up to everybody else's expectations and to do it in the way that they say I should do it. To me, that's bondage, that's legalism. And as long as I continued to deliver messages like that, as long as I continued to write and give Bible studies like that, I was uh, hindering. And and putting an obstacle in front of my own anointing. Okay. So this is the, the critical critical thing. Now before we continue, what I want to do is I want to I want to synergistically tie this together with you and for you. Because I don't want to end this message on the Paul McGuire report. With a general theory, I want to impart to you living, breathing, authentic, dynamic truth that will release you with God's wisdom and release you with power from on high so that you will not be subject to all kinds of artificial limitations, so that you will be able to let it rip so that you will be able to let it soar. And in that capacity, you become not an emotional, out-of-control person, but in that capacity, you, you become an authentic individual, an authentic man or woman created in the image of God, and an authentic human being created in the image of God. We will be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. In the meantime, be sure to visit PaulMaguire.us. That's PaulMaguire.us. Take advantage of all the financial discounts on the books that I've written that I believe will really help you if you simply go to paulmcguire.us. And we have hundreds of hours of televised Roku uh, Services on our TV channel. We have uh, the Paul McGuire Report radio archives. We have the Paul McGuire Report video archives. We have hundreds of articles and pictures at the Paul McGuire Report. These things change people's lives. I, I can tell you I am delighted with the letters I get from people who tell me their lives have been changed, how they've been lifted up and encouraged in a powerful way and how, how they have personally received this vibrancy, this joy of the Holy Spirit that has begun to operate in their lives the moment they decided to do things God's way and to step out in faith. So I want to encourage you to do that. And so I need you to, to be a partner with me in your financial donations, in your contributions, in your gifts by sending our links to people so we do an end run around censorship <clears throat> and most of all I need you and I'm serious about this I need you to be an intercessory prayer warrior for me my family and this ministry if you would partner with me in all three of those ways and if enough of you would partner with me in all three of those ways we could change the direction of the spiritual battle for our nation. We could change it 180 degrees. And I don't know about you, but that transformation is long overdue. We are, are, as a nation, America, rapidly approaching the point of no return. God has logistically given us uh, a, a certain amount of time in which to change the direction of America. If we rise together, if we rise in unity, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can change this nation, and we can abruptly rescue this nation from the free fall that it's in, and we can engage in uh, spiritual warfare at such a high level that we can defeat uh, our spiritual adversaries, that we can be overcomers, overcomers in every spiritual battlefield. So please visit paulmcguire.us and we'll be back in just a moment. This is the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. So the important focal point that I'm trying to communicate with you now is this, and it applies not just to speaking and communicating and writing. It is a principle that that, will, that if you use it properly will apply to every area of your life because it taps into the same dynamic principle created by God. God is the infinite, personal, living God of the universe. The key operative word is, is that God is infinite. He's eternal. He's without end. So, God is the infinite, personal, living God of the universe. That means God is a person. Capital P. God is not a machine. God is not artificial intelligence. God is not an android. God is not a robot. God is a person. uh, The infinite, personal, living God of the universe. So, what makes Jesus Christ? the Lord Jesus Christ, radically different from every other god and religion and spiritual teaching and guru, et cetera, et cetera. What makes Jesus Christ radically different from from everything else is the fact that when God does something, he doesn't do it from the flow of an impersonal energy source. This is one of the things that used to just drive me crazy when I was in the New Age movement, the occult, altered states of consciousness, etc. Because what I was taught in all these occult and counterfeit religions, what I was taught was that in order for me to become one with the universe, in order me to for me to experience cosmic consciousness, altered states of consciousness, in order for me to to achieve enlightenment, I would have to, this is what all the gurus in Hinduism and yoga, when you get right down to it, this is what they all teach. What they were teaching me was that in order for me to become enlightened and one with the universe, I would have to totally die to myself, not in the Christian Not in the Christian sense, not dying to self in the Christian sense, dying to self in the perverted, Luciferian sense. Let me give you a rapid-fire analysis. Every satanic and occultic religion, and under the umbrella of satanic and occultic religions, would be satanic and occultic economic ideologies, social, organizational systems like communism and Marxism, etc., they all teach essentially the same perversion of truth. And this is the perversion. They all say it in, in their own different way, but what they're all saying is that for you to be enlightened... in. in in order for you to escape your karma, the, the, the wheels of reincarnation, births and deaths, in order for you to become one with the universe, see the great light, experience cosmic consciousness, all of those things, which I did, by the way, and I talk about it in my book, uh, uh, Power from on High, all of those things, what the gurus in Hinduism and all the other occult religions teach you, is that a mandatory requirement in order for you to be enlightened, etc., is you must die to yourself, you must uh, be free from the wheels uh, of the births and deaths of karma, uh, reincarnation, and in the process of dying to yourself, you as a distinct, unique Personality. Emphasis on the word personality in the manner of Jesus Christ is the infinite, personal, living God of the universe. The, the thundering truth behind all of this is that the real God is bursting with individualism, personality, and things of that nature. And that is a wondrous, beautiful thing. The counterfeit of that wondrous, beautiful thing is when you're bombarded with false teachings, politically, economically, and in, in other ways, and you're told that you have to die to yourself. In fact, it was worse than that. I was reading that my Bible used to be, back way back then, my Bible used to be a book by Baba Ram Das, who was Timothy Leary's Harvard professor assistant. Dr. Richard Alpert. And Baba Ram Das wrote a best-selling book called Be Here Now, which was my Bible. In fact, when I was meditating on Be Here Now, I experienced cosmic consciousness. And one of the things he said and other gurus said that I read, he said the goal is for you to achieve perfect nothingness. That you have to die, like Buddha said, you have to die to all your desires all your goals, you have to die to everything in your life. And then after you die, only then can you merge and become one with the universe. Now, to me, any way you slice that, it sounded like a bloody nightmare. I had no interest whatsoever in dying to myself, becoming one with the universe, and basically disappearing and experiencing cosmic consciousness. To me, that sounded like hell on Earth. So, notice that these two archetypical satanic systems have the same theology. So, whether we're looking at the perverseness of communism, Marxism, socialism, Leninism, and national socialism, Adolf Hitler... That's one totalitarian control system, if you look at that you 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 remember the teachings of the gurus which which tell you that the goal is to achieve perfect nothingness and let me tell you something: the goal of achieving perfect nothingness was repugnant to me. It's the last thing on earth I ever wanted to experience who in their right mind. Would want to experience perfect nothingness. It means you're gone. Poof, you've dissipated. That's a loser's game. So you contrast this with the liberating, joyous truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ tells you the opposite. He says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then Jesus Christ tells you, That in the Bible, it says, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, both male and female. So what that means is turn on after turn on, unending, God creates you in his individual, personal living God of the universe, God creates you in his individual personality. Individual. Individual personality. That's the turn-on. Not being an assembly line worker in some spiritual factory. You are turned on by Jesus Christ, and it's, it's, it's beyond phenomenal. So, you're, you're made in the image of God, both male and female, and that brings us into the area of our DNA. Every one of us have a DNA code that is totally individual and different than anybody else's DNA code. That's why your fingerprints, your thumbprint, out of billions of people, nobody has a thumbprint like you. It's totally individual. God created you as a total individual. This is a maximum turn on when you get a revelation about what God's saying. Your DNA code is totally unique. When you put your eye in front of a biometric ID scanner, it scans your eye, and you're totally different, totally unique than any other human being. This is a maximum turn on. So, God is a totally unique and different. Infinite personal living God of the universe. He creates every one of us, you and me, and we are all each individuals and the expression of the infinite personal living God of the universe. This is an ultimate turn on. So, what comes next? We are all free, and yes, we're one in Christ, we're one in the Spirit. The agape love of Jesus Christ lives inside of us. Yes, we all belong to the supernatural body of Christ. These are beautiful things. But here's the difference between biblical Christianity and all the counterfeits. As true Christians, we all belong to the bride of Christ. We all belong to the supernatural body of Christ. But we are individuals in the body of Christ and the bride of Christ We function as individual, distinct, and separate human beings. Each one of us is an individual. Each one of us has different gifts, talents, and abilities. This is why true Christianity is a rush beyond any rush you could possibly imagine. So, where does this go? Where this goes is you are an individual made in the image of God. So, when we look at The horror movie systems, and they are horror movie systems, if you think the ideas of the Buddha or Hinduism or the Lord Shiva, you think the ideas of Karl Marx and communism, Karl Marx and uh, uh, Marxism, if you think those things are going to liberate you, you are under heavy, heavy heavy-duty oppression. They are going to enslave you. And the first way they enslave you is they enslave you in in the prison of your mind. So the way that works is as part of their political and economic philosophy, Marxism, communism, Leninism, National Socialism, Globalism. Yeah, that's right. Globalism. Don't forget globalism. it's, it's, It's the beast. Globalism. All of these ideological prison systems are designed to enslave you, and the way they're designed to enslave you, the way they're designed to kill you, is they do it by totally eradicating, totally destroying, totally incinerating your individual personality. Your individual difference and unique personality, gifts and attributes. they're all destroyed under every one of these satanic systems. Now you got to track with me. Collectivism, which is this ideology that none of us should be individuals, we should all merge into a hive mind or a pigeon brain. Or a world brain, we should all merge into a hive mind. And then after we merge as one into the hive mind, we 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 are no we we become part of this cosmic collective. Let me give you a simplified definition of what belonging to the cosmic collective means. Being part of the cosmic collective simply means this: you are going to work for all eternity, in the Department of Motor Vehicles, the DMV, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You will not have a personality. You will only have a number. You will be a bureaucrat. You will join a union. You will join the collective, whether you like it or not. Joining the collective means your individual personality disappears you join the collective that's why in communism they call it collectivism you become part of the collective your individuality merges into groupthink that's why I'm telling you look I've been around the block so have many of you and let me tell you something from a former radical and revolutionary who's been around the block this this goal of collectivism the hive mind, the world brain, where where your personality disappears, you are uh, extinct, and your individuality is extinct. When that process is completed, you are poof, gone forever. You disintegrate forever. Your, in fact, the gurus teach you. Think about how horrible this is. God tells you that God created you in his own image, and God gave you an individual, unique, and gifted personality. That's a lot to celebrate. But Satan's counterfeit. Satan destroys your individuality, your individual personality. Satan fuses you together into a non-personal collective. You belong to a collectivist state or a communist state or a a Marxist state. You lose all individuality, all freedoms, disintegrate, and you become, um, your personality disappears. Your personality disappears. And because your personality disappears, you no longer have the ability to know God personally as the infinite personal living God of the universe. That wondrous capacity is stolen from you by Satan. Because what's Satan's plan for your life? Satan's plan for your life is to radically and violently transform you into the image of the beasts. You see the difference? Do you see the difference between the two systems? By the way, you and your loved ones are going to spend all of eternity in either one or two of the two different systems. You will spend all eternity in one of these systems. Now, if you choose to reject Christ, his salvation, becoming a new man or a new woman in Christ Jesus, if you reject that, and if you instead choose to receive the mark of the beast, the DNA chip implant, the nanochip implant, what happens is, and you better listen up really carefully, what happens is that you are no longer an individual living personal human being because, you see, you made a deal. The problem is you made a bad, bad, bad deal. The deal you made was, you traded in your individual personality. You traded in your God-given <clears throat> um, creativity. You traded in your your God-given uh, DNA code or genetic code. You traded in it in for for a man-generated DNA code, a DMV. Department of Motor Vehicles DNA code you traded it in for uh, man-made uh, excuse me you traded in it in for artificial intelligence cosmic bureaucrat DNA and if that's what you've done you as a person uh, have disappeared because your name has been personally. You see, a name is something personally. Notice that when the Antichrist enslaves you and puts the DNA chip in you, notice that he gives you a number, 666. Why? Because Satan is all about cosmic bureaucrats, um, uh, non-personal numerical DNA codes. That Satan is all about enslaving the masses. And so your name will no longer be written in the book of life. If you're genuinely saved, your sins have been forgiven, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you of all sin, then you're guaranteed eternal life with Jesus forever and ever. But if you traded that in for a genetic hybrid, a counterfeit DNA composed of numbers. See, with Satan, Satan gives you a synthetic DNA code composed of uh, numbers, 666. God gives you an individual and unique God-created, human-created DNA code that is individually yours. And to prove it, God puts your individual name in the book of life. If you reject God's free offer of salvation, then your name is blotted out of the book of life. That's a very, very simple concept, but it illustrates the difference between you choosing to serve the beast or you choosing to serve the Lamb of God who sits upon the throne. So which will it be? Which will it be? Because time is running out. It's running out a lot faster than you think. Which will it be? So here we are. And never forget that I told you this. They're not teaching this in the school systems, in the media, in the educational system, etc., cetera, et cetera. They are indoctrinating you. They are brainwashing you. They're programming you to perceive yourself as a meaningless valueless number six 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 you have no meaning because you're just a number six 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 the depersonalization of of a driver's license and stuff like that they they, they get where they don't want your name a name is a is a signature of individuality. Uh, A name is a a symbol of being a unique, special, different personality and person. That's what a name is. A name is something uh, that has value. A name is something that is unique and beautiful and awesome and wondrous. If you're in love with somebody, son, daughter, wife, husband, whatever, and you call them by their name, usually their heart rejoices because you called them by by their name. And when they hear you speak their name out loud and softly, it's like their heart dances, their heart rejoices. Conversely, if you were to speak to them and not call them by their name, and simply call them by their number and add 666 to it, their heart would turn sour. Their heart would turn sad. Nobody rejoices when uh, they've been reduced to a number. Why do you think when you enter a prison camp or a concentration camp that they always reduce you to a non-human number? it's part of breaking you it's part of the systematic uh depersonalization program whose sole purpose is to break and shatter your individual personality which is a gift from god and by the way when you get to heaven you're not going to have a number you realize that when you get to heaven you're not going to have a number when you get to heaven you're going to have a new name, the most beautiful, authentic name you could possibly have. So when you get to heaven, you're going to have a new name. You see, this is why, if you allow the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation in your inner man or inner woman, this is why, when you understand that you are a new man or a new woman, with, with a brand new name, that, that you're a child of God, when you really understand that, and you really understand what true Christ-like love is, for the love, of, for the love of God passes all understanding. When you understand and have a revelation of what the true love of God is, and you recognize that you're born again by the true love of God, you begin to become everything God created you to be, and this is why. And right now, now you understand why I don't. I do. I don't do notes, folks. I don't work at the DMV either. I don't do notes. Sorry. But see, I'm smiling in the studio right now. I'm not smiling because I got a pile of notes and and instructions for myself. I'm I'm smiling because I'm genuinely ecstatic. I'm genuinely happy. I'm genuinely filled with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm genuinely happy. And when you're genuinely happy, all sadness and gloom and depression and despair, it just blows away. Now, here's the secret I want to share with you. God has given you, God has given me, the most powerful spiritual weapon in the universe and in all creation. And that's why we are going to win the great spiritual battle that we're currently in right now. So you need to look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. And let me share with you what this awesome spiritual weapon is that the Lord has given you. It's probably not a weapon that you ever thought of as a weapon. So I'm going to share with you the secret of this weapon. The name of this most powerful spiritual weapon is called love, the agape love of Jesus Christ. Love beyond anything else. Love can be healing, love can be restoring, love can be refreshing, but above everything else, love is the greatest weapon God has given the loving armies of God in all of human history. Love is our greatest weapon. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to rejoice in that truth, accept that truth, And embrace that truth. Just take a couple of seconds and reach out your hands to the Lord. Obviously, if you're driving, uh, driving, keep your hands on the steering wheel. In your heart or with your hands, reach your hands out to the Lord and receive by faith, right now, receive by faith, the overflowing and everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And let the love of Jesus Christ fill you to overflowing. In fact, let the love of Jesus Christ flow out of your inmost being with such power, such joy, such anointing, such stature, and such beauty. Let those rivers of living water flow out of your inmost being, healing you, restoring you, and regenerating you. Now, Let's just go through this really simply. It's really easy, and it's a lot of fun. Once you understand that you possess the greatest weapon in all of human history, which is love, power of love, the energy of love, Christ-like love, that's what I'm talking about. Once you understand that you possess the greatest weapon in all of human history, which is love, you understand that when you're confronting a spiritual army, that is being captured by demons, a spiritual army that is being led by demons, a spiritual army that is stealing the souls that the demons have stolen. Once you understand that, you no longer have to be paralyzed with fear. You no longer have to be bewildered with confusion. You no longer have fear. Fear is completely absent from your consciousness. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Isn't that beautiful? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Now, I'm going to ask you to, to do something with me right now while I'm sitting in the studio, and you're driving or running or shopping or in your house, or whatever you're doing or not doing, we're going to join together right now. Why? Why are we going to do that? Because that's that's an act of love. Where two or more of you on Earth, uh, are, are, where two or more of you on Earth are touching anything. I don't have this quite right. Forgive. Me. Um, whatever you ask me in in your name, my name, I will do it. The requirement is that there has to be two or more of us in Jesus' name asking Him together in love, in unity, to do something. And when we make that request in love to Jesus Christ, in unity to Jesus Christ, He will do that. He will do that. Now, this is it right here. In the book of Revelation, there's all kinds of accounts of demonic armies and the false prophet and uh, the mark of the beast and the Antichrist and and the temple of the Antichrist and uh, spiritual warfare in the invisible realm. There's this fierce uh, warfare between God and the uh, demonic armies. But when God's people, that's God's people means every single person that is genuinely or truly born again by faith in the Spirit of God, who has had their sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus, and who has received salvation, who has invited Christ into their life by faith, you are saved. You are authentically born again. You're a new creature in Jesus Christ. So, so let's process that. What does that mean, that you're a new preacher in Christ Jesus, that you're born again, that you're saved? What it means is that the act of divine love between God and the supernatural body of Christ has been consummated. Divine love has been consummated. And in the consummation of divine love, there is a birth a birth that transcends heaven and earth. And that birth is when a being, a human being, that has never existed in this dimension or this physical reality before, a being that has never entered this dimension, this reality, that being, all of a sudden, shows up into this reality and shows up into this dimension and infuses infuses itself as its own individual different and unique self, this being manifests itself and steps into this reality. And as it steps into this reality, a massive, overwhelming, transfer, transformational miracle occurs in that human being is now born again. And to be born again means that the Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Love, the Spirit of Love, the Spirit of Jesus, Manifests itself in a totally unique creation, and you are born into this reality. Your very birth into this reality lights this reality up because you are born out of an authentically unique and different DNA code that comes directly from God, that comes Uh, directly from the infinite personal living God of the universe, your DNA code has caused you to be uniquely birthed in this reality. And that causes the heavenly host to rejoice and the, the worship of God in the throne room of God to rejoice. And why is everybody rejoicing like crazy in the throne room of God? There is unending celebration, unending joy, unending rejoicing in the throne room of God because another authentic child of God has been born into this reality and born into this world. And all of it was made possible by the fact that God gave you your own unique different and individual dna code genetic code nobody has your genetic code and your genetic code produces you that's an act of unbelievable love unbelievable love and so while that is happening the the number of people who belong to heaven the number of people who are born again Uh, keeps increasing, it keeps increasing, while simultaneously the number of people whose names are blotted out um, from the, the kingdom of heaven, their names are blotted out because they allowed their unique and different DNA to be mixed with a hybrid race Of genetically altered non-human or synthetic DNA. So then, if you have non-human or synthetic DNA, you are no longer a child of God. There's no longer rejoicing. Rejoicing and that great celebration of love comes about when a new child of God is birthed. And that's, that's like so, so far beyond anything we can comprehend. This is the Paul McGuire Report. on Paul McGuire. We'll be back in just a moment. This whole thing comes together in Revelation chapter 19, starting at verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. And then it says, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true sayings of God. And then it continues on. So the marriage supper of the Lamb—that's when the the bride of Christ, that's all true Christian, Christians, marries the bridegroom, who is Jesus. And when that when they become one, that represents a spiritual, holy, multi-dimensional, cosmic fusion producing a dynamic oneness which results in the dunamis, the dynamite explosion of the power of God. And so that is coming. And when that coming together happens, there will be an explosion that will rock this universe and rock every subsequent dimension. So I say to you, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.